and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. Oh boy, what a game, what a week, what a time to be alive. We've got a little bit of history repeating in this grand final after Melbourne victory defeated Melbourne City 3-1 in the prelim. We cannot wait to talk about that game, have a little look-see ahead to the grand final and just chat some women's football as per usual. So before we crack into that chat, we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, for the first time in a very long time, you have the barbershop quartet that is the far post. So it's me, Marissa Lodge. (laughs) I thought you were going to do like literal barbershop quartet and we were going to go hello and I was like no not a good idea but anyway you've got me Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian Wilkes, Sam Lewis and back from Beijing Anna Harrington so let's get into this stuff Harrow you can start with you love to see you've been gone a long while but what have you loved to see other than the quality content from you guys and some ripper interviews while I've been away um I'm glad I got invited back uh that was a relief um my actual you love to see it is we know how good Alex Chidiak has been this season for Melbourne victory. And in the preliminary final, um, I couldn't probably sum it up better than City coach Rado Vidasic, who actually said that she played like three players. She was that good. She was everywhere. She was buzzing around. She was, um, you know, one minute she'd be making a challenge in defence and that she'd be busting her gut to get forward. Um, her work in the lead up to victory's third goal, the Leah Privatelli one that decided probably summed it up. She put in this lovely cross and then back, or oh, sorry, she did all of this work. She put the initial through ball in and the ball's come out and then she's danced around multiple defenders, put another cross in and it's obviously spilled to Melina Ayres, puts it back to Leah Privatelli on a platter and pretty much job done from there for victory. But she's just gone from strength to strength. It was such a, a boost for both player and club, I thought, when she um, decided to cut short her time in or cut short her contract in Japan and stick around till at least the end of this season. Um, Victory and Chid seem to have been perfect for each other. Also a wonderful uh, sign from her nearest and dearest, I believe, of my neck, my back, my Alex Chidiak. And she certainly rose to the occasion. Like, <laughs> it was very much the Chid show. So Alex Chidiak... Um, who we all know is capable of great things, turning on one of the best performances we've seen. You'll have to see it. That sign lives in my mind rent-free and I sing the song and I change the lyrics and it just makes me very, very happy. But anyway, Angela, what did you love to see this weekend? As a Victory fan, there was much that I loved to see, but my you love to see it is actually from the other team. I was really thoroughly impressed with Sally James and her performance um, in this game. I think, yes, I was sitting with a number of different friends, most of people from the internet, one of whom is friend of the pod, Burke. And to quote Burke, she said that Sally James is massive. And I I can't disagree with that. Um, She had, uh, yeah, it was her first start of the season. Obviously the circumstances coming into it, stepping into the boots of bubs at the last minute in like, a huge game. Um, obviously the result didn't go City's way, but I think that you can't really fault Sally for her performance. I thought she was really resilient. She was, I was very impressed by how, um, I guess, how much of a leader she was given she's like 19. She hasn't really played with this team too much this season because of injury. Um, and yeah, I think as well, just like technically, and she made some massive saves, but also her 
positioning. I don't really think about it that much, but I did play 30 minutes in goals on the weekend. And I think that that means I'm an expert and I can comment on this. Um, And she didn't pick up the ball outside the box, which is what I did. So I think, you know, impressive. Um, Also bubs, but we won't get into that. Um, But yeah, and her positioning, the way that she was able to shut down, like, I think a couple of Molina Ayres opening chances, a lot of that was to do with where she was placing herself. So yeah, Sally James, you'll love to see it. I'm so keen to see her get hopefully lots of minutes next season. Isn't it annoying when you finish the season? You're like, damn, that player's really coming into the form. Now I've got to wait like eight months or something. In the season. Extend the season. Huh? Extend the season. Yes, extend the season. Extend the season. Extend the season always. But I will say the only thing Sally James did not bring to the park was – Bubs's chatterbox energy but that being said I swear to god from where I was at Amy Park I could hear Bubs oh, we could all hear we could all hear Bubs in, in the media box we asked Rado about it post-match and he's like you could hear her and he just put it to his ears like she did not stop all game she was the loudest person in the whole stadium it was quite impressive it was absolutely peak bubs and I personally love to see that because it doesn't matter where she is on that field or even if she's not on that field, she will be talking and she will be helping her teammates. She will so be heard. <laughs> good on you, bubs. Love to see it. Sam, what did you love to see? Yeah, speaking of players who we are extremely bummed that we are not going to be able to see because they're suddenly coming into absolutely ripping form, Molina Ayres has had the best two games I think I've ever seen Molina Ayres play. Her performance against Melbourne City was spectacular and she showed so many more elements to her game that I think a lot of people have forgotten. She's not just a fabulous goal scorer, but there was this through ball to Alex Chidiak in the, I think the 13th or 14th minute where she had her back to goal. She cut in field. There were, I think, seven or eight Melbourne City players in front of her and she spotted the run of Chidiak behind all of them and she fizzed this pass. It was like the parting of the Red Sea. It was so good. It was so exact. The, the pace of it was beautiful and Chidiak was immediately one-on-one with Sally James and she, because she's Chidiak, she tried to nutmeg Sally James and James was like, nah, nah, girl, not for you. So that chance went begging, but that ball from Ayers, I remember actually just like out loud being like, holy shit, because it was just an amazing pass. Melina Ayers has been fabulous. The rumour is that she's heading overseas, which is really exciting for her. She's not going to be going back to the NPL as much as South Melbourne would love to have her back, I'm sure. But she seems to be a player who's really starting to hit a different level. And I think she needs to push herself now. She's shown in these past two games what she's capable of doing. And I think having this whole season off, pretty much the whole season off because of her injury has sort of given her a fire to really show what she's made of. So Melina Ayres just discovering a new level to her game and being a really important and really timely inclusion for Melbourne Victory. You love to see it. Love to bounce straight off that, Sam. Um, Melina Rez, because Jeff Hopkins has spoken about um, how difficult it was for Melina and also just how well she's acquitted herself. Because the thing with Ayers is it wasn't like one bad injury and you go, okay, you've got a 12-week timeline. It was one that she was meant to be fit in like the second week of the season and then it wasn't quite right. And then there were all these little tweaks to it. It was quite a complex, I think, 
injury. So they had to address it a few different ways. And I can imagine that would be so frustrating because it's one of those ones where you think I'm two weeks away, I'm two weeks away, I'm two weeks away. And they just had to take a really mature approach. And um, he couldn't have spoken more highly really of the way she approached that in terms of, you know, eating all the right things, doing, you know, the sleep, the professionalism, all the preparation you have to do to come back from an injury like that. Cause it's difficult if you, especially if you haven't had heaps of soft tissue injuries to, to know how to do that and how to get your body back stronger, especially when she would have been hurting seeing victory really struggle in that we've talked about seven games in 23 days and she got back for the last one, I think the Canberra one or the week after, but it would have been so difficult for her watching on and wanting to play a role, but knowing that she couldn't. And they've just, they all deserve full credit, the victory medical staff and Jeff Hopkins and Melina herself for the way they've gotten their back for when it's mattered. And as you say, that means, she had a little cameo sort of off or appearance off the bench before finals, but in two finals games, she scored two key goals. Like that's her quality. And it's not just that it's the way she impacts the player around the players around her, it allows Catherine Zimmerman to play wider and not have all the focus on her. It takes a lot of pressure off Maya Markovsky who can come off the bench and, you know, play a role where needed. And Leah Privatelli has just gone from strength to strength this season. She's another, she's a player who had, so many injuries early in her career. I remember in the NPLW following her and she'd just be out almost every week. And um, I think Jeff Hopkins said this week, it was almost she'd, uh, you know, be building in the A-League women or W-League season, would go back to NPL, get injured, and then have to sort of start the process again rather than just building momentum, whereas she's been able to do that. But bringing airs back in has just relieved pressure it gives players like Chidiak and Cooney Cross, someone to, to home in on, someone they can play off, someone who can push forward and, and be a target and then burst back. She's got such a great work ethic with her runs and she does really creative ones herself. She isn't afraid to do dummy runs and, you know, just draw out the defence and allow a Privatelli, for example, to, to have an impact. But she also just gives that focal point for players like Cooney Cross and Chidiak to work around and, yeah, she just had so much that victory team. And it is, it, I feel like has genuinely been been the difference maker, along with Brooke Hendricks, who has um, solidified that defence and allowed Amy Amy Jackson to to go back into, into defensive midfield. But that, for me, that's the big thing. Like when you're coming into this grand final and you've got a player like Ayers in form, you go, this is what, not saying that I think the odds are still very firmly in Sydney's favour, but getting a player like that back and in form that's the sort of thing that can can tip a grand final on its head. And she's got she's got form of just, you know, here we go, here we go, taking two finals by the scruff of the neck and making them her own. So it's um yeah, it's exciting. It's what we want to see. You don't want to see what we thought or what we did see at the end of the home and away season or the not home and away, regular season where where players are getting injured and it's sort of petering out. You want to see these players coming in in form and the best football being played at the at the pointy end of the season. And Melina Ayres is thankfully one of those players who's been able to do it. You return immediately with some scruff of the necks. How Just good you absolutely opportunity well, had to grab it. See it. But you've raised some really interesting points. So it's a great way for us to kind of wade further into dissecting this preliminary final because it was a really fascinating game. I think the lead-up was really interesting. The fortunes of the two sides kind of heading into it was really varied. So then what we actually saw on the park on Saturday, a lot of people were surprised. that I think a lot of people had City as the favourites, but victory really showed something extra and something really, really special. So I'm happy for each of you. I would like each of you to basically give me your 
talking point or your one thing that you either really enjoyed or really want to hone in on the thing that just kind of has stuck in your mind since Sunday's final because I have a feeling they will all be very very different so if anyone would like to go first Samantha tell us yeah, I sort of wrote about this in my analysis piece as well. This feels like the victory team that we expected to see this season. It's the victory team that we saw in the first game in that fabulous 5-1 win over Adelaide. But because of various factors, players going down injured, COVID, rescheduled games, everything just sort of fell off the rails. And so it's sort of a, a strange sort of return to the start, I feel, You've got all these players back. You've got a good replacement for Kayla Morrison. You've got Molina Ayers. You've got now a team who has been given the usual amount of rest that you would usually expect in an A-League women's season, not playing seven games in 23 days or whatever it was. And they therefore have the opportunity not just to rest their bodies and minds, but to actually work on things on the field that that really intense period of games didn't allow them to do. And this is, these, the, this is the performance that comes as a result of that. If they're actually given those structural advantages, not even advantages, but that's just the standard. That's what they should have been given in the first place. This is the kind of thing that you would expect them to do. And if they had played like this throughout the rest of the season, I think the, the race for the premiership would have been much tighter. I don't think victory would have been scraping into fourth. It probably would have been one and two. Um, and I think the games against Melbourne City would have been so much more interesting perhaps as a result of that. Um, but as a Sydney fan, that makes me nervous because coming into this grand final, you know, Sydney have had two weeks off and that could go either way because on the one hand, it's great to have a break. It's great to reset. It's great to relax. But on the other hand, victory have match fitness. They have the momentum of these two wins coming in behind them. They have the belief in themselves that they're able to conquer teams that are favoured over them. You know, that I don't think anyone expected them to beat Adelaide. And the way that they did it, I think, was was quite, we so, sort of spoke about it as well. It's quite jammy. It's quite scrappy. Apart, apart from the two goals, really, it was, you didn't really expect or see victory doing much outside of that. The City game was very different, though, because, again, they had the, they had themselves back. They had their identity back. They had their belief back. And that Adelaide win sort of gave them, I think, that extra shred of, we know how much harder we can push ourselves if it's necessary. And that's something that I think it, it gives them a real psychological edge maybe coming into the grand final, even though Sydney did push to 120 minutes against City. It's, it feels like distant memory now because it's been two weeks, you know, this is COVID times. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited for this grand final. I'm, I'm piercing myself because I'm scared of Melbourne victory after what happened last year but it's going to be a really really good game I think and between two teams who are now at a point in their seasons where they absolutely know who they are they know how they play they know each other's strengths and weaknesses and we could end up with another 120 minute Olympico goal from a superstar you know that decides it all and as a neutral fan what else could you possibly want? Well, Sam, I was chatting to Kyra Cooney-Cross um, for a chat for AAP in the lead up to this, and I did ask, she's practising her corners, just for, just for you, Sam. Oh, <laughs> no, no, not just for Sam. Uh, but for me. Olymp- for all of us. Um, but, yeah, I, spot on, Sam, so echoes a lot of what Jeff Hopkins said. Like The question is rest versus momentum, and he basically said, you know, if you aren't, you're probably talking up, we've got rest, we can get players 
fit these sorts of things. But if you're victory, you go, well, we've hit form and we want to keep rolling. And um, it is, it's, it's perfectly placed in that sense. So I want to touch on Melbourne City briefly. Um, Rado Vidasic said that they probably played their worst game for the season and it just came at the worst possible time. He said they felt off almost from the warm-up. And sometimes I think coaches just know that it's when their teams are off, you know, they they almost played their grand final a week before and it didn't work out. Like we know the red cards happened and Sydney fought back, Courtney Vine did her thing. And it's a pretty demoralizing thing to have to bounce back from against a victory team that knew they could beat them. And victory, it's also worth mentioning, had said during the week or Jeff had said during the week, they were still stinging from that humiliation, that 5-1 humiliation. Um where Hannah Wilkinson scored five goals. And credit to Victory's defence, who I think you mentioned it, Sam, Brooke Hendricks has really solidified them. It took them a long time to move on. I think we can all acknowledge it looking at them. It took them a long time, probably longer than they would have liked to move on from losing Kayla Morrison. Fair enough. Heartbeat of the club, captain, leader, gun defender. But recruiting Brooke Hendricks has been huge. It's allowed some stability. They know who's playing where. It's allowed... Courtney Nevin, for example, to feel settled at left back. Polly Doran has, I think, really lifted the past couple of weeks. I don't know if there was a bit of a challenge put onto her, but we saw how well both those fullbacks did against Adelaide and again on, on the weekend. And, and Bunge and Hendricks kept Wilkinson so quiet. She did have a chance to get them right back into it at the end and didn't bury bury a head up, but, you know, that was <laughs> last gas sort of thing. And she was very much, um, uh, I guess, compared to her previous performance against victory a a non-entity in this one because that defense was so strong it does feel like they've managed to get it all working at the right time amy jackson is um has really come to the fore i think in the past couple of weeks probably the player who's benefited most from getting some breaks she's 34 years old she's had an injury she has got back at the right time she's not having to fill in at center back though she's she is pretty solid there and it means that when Alana Murphy does come on she can just play you know with a bit of freedom and not have too much pressure on her and not be getting physically bullied because she's a young player who I think has got a really really bright future ahead of her but yeah it, it just felt like victory really dominated like they as soon as they were on top they were missing some of those early chances and Ayers and Chidiak were some pretty shocking culprits with them. And Catherine Zimmerman had another one where she could have made it 2-0 as well. All very uncharacteristic misses. Um, and often that can make you pay, but to their credit, they are they rallied and they and they found a way. And I'm I'm just intrigued to see how this is gonna play out. We were talking to to Polly Doran the other day at a Victory Media up and she said about these Sydney forwards, because we know that the work she did on Princess Sabini last year and how significant that was to Victory's win. She basically said, you've got to get in their heads early. You can't let them get in behind. You can't let them make forward runs. They're all confidence players in Sydney's attack, which makes sense because they're all young players. So you have to, to shut them out early. So they, they've got a bit of a plan. The other thing I would like to note was a, a bit of a funny moment where um, Victory and Polly Doran for a few hours there thought that she was going to be suspended for the grand final because she picked up a yellow card um, and she picked one up against Adelaide and they'd mistakenly believed that that meant a suspension when it didn't because you know that's not just the regs just don't say that <laughs> cumulative rare, rare yellow cards in two games gets you a suspension so someone had read something wrong so for a little while there they're thinking Lee Privatelli gonna have to go right back is Kara Cooney Cross gonna move Polly's gonna miss the grand final and then you know confirmed with the APL all good Polly Torrance playing this week but um yeah it was a 
a funny little moment post-match where they had to sort of figure that all out. But the thing I have noticed is that they seem a very relaxed change room. I think this is a theme with both of these groups. They really enjoy each other's company. They really enjoy playing together. I've noticed that with Sydney for a long time. A lot of those players have come through together at Young Matildas. But, um, you know, down, down in Melbourne, for example, Bunge and, and Doran are, you know, thick as thieves as mates and they're chatting away while you're doing media ops. They've got both teams have a lot of young players who are so enthusiastic and excited and you want good things for both of these teams. It's, um, yeah, I've, I've gone off track a bit here, but it's, it just does seem like two teams that are really benefiting from having quality cultures and quality people and, you know, leaders in their in their change rooms that are, I guess, taking them to to new heights. And it's also two teams who've had to deal with the loss of significant players in, you know, Teresa Polias at Sydney. Um, we've seen Kayla Morrison at Victory and Victory also had the the on-field influence and, you know, strong, um, I guess, strong presence of Lisa Devanna that they lost as well. So you've seen a lot of really senior players go out, yet it says a lot about the young players involved at both of these teams that they've not only, you know, filled them in terms of, filled the, the holes in terms of position-wise and, you know, keeping the system intact but there's still really good good places that are keeping a good change room a good atmosphere and it's you know also a winning mentality that's that's got them through when it matters Angela what was your kind of major thing from this game the thing that you've kind of maybe marinated on and has really come back to you since the game happened I think just looking at who's in the grand final, the sort of way that you succeed in the A-League women now, I think has changed a little bit and basically touching on a lot of what Harry mentioned there. But, um, and we also discussed this last week. So for City, it those key emissions from the, the team, the Bubs and Blanich not being able to play, that obviously had a massive impact. But when I look at the team, I'm thinking that there's, they could be, I talked about this, keep that cold. Um, if they're able to keep the Heatleys, the Tumuths, the Davidsons, and when she's back from injury, Holly McNamara around, you could see them building a project like what Sydney and Victory have. And Sydney and Victory making the grand final two seasons in a row with a very similar kinds of teams in the sense that they have been these longer projects, working with younger players, I think that is indication enough that that's what, that's how you win now um, and that's how you succeed. And I think even if you look at Perth Glory, for example, who were the ones who missed out, that's obviously something, I've talked a bit about this. I think I'm very impressed with what Alex Aparkas is doing at Perth in terms of obviously putting together a long term plan and a project um and same with Adelaide as well they've had they've been blessed with like a core of players and I guess it took the sort of structure of the league and not having the best teams filled with Matildas or international players to sort of even it out so I think it's a really exciting time moving forward and I think that if that's how teams are able to do well in the competition now that's a great motivator for other clubs to be looking at that format. It's not going to work for everyone, but like, well, actually different variations of it, I think would be needed for different clubs. But um, yeah, I think that's basically 
where I was going. We obviously know that the A-League w- that women is now based around like young players and that sort of thing, but um, it's not just throwing in a young player into a team and be like, oh, off you go. It's about a lot more than that. It is about culture. It is about, um, I guess, stability and having sustainable clubs. And, yeah, that's what I sort of took away from it. Um, and, yeah, so I will be really interested to see what City do because I think they, like, um, what Minnie said on the pod last week, they obviously have a strong sense of their culture, but I'm not always sure if that's reflected outwards because they're so, they've got such a polished brand as well. So sometimes it's a little bit hard to actually tap into what the team itself, what they are about, apart from like, sometimes it's like, yes, you're very good at football, but yeah, it was really interesting talking to Minnie because she touched on those things of them wanting to play for each other and having a really great group and a really strong core of um, friends at the heart of it. But I wouldn't have necessarily picked up on that from an outsider's perspective, whereas Victory, I don't know, maybe it's just because I, I follow Victory a bit more closely. That's been quite clear for a while. Anyway, so I think, yeah, maybe City being a bit more vulnerable in the what they show the world about themselves as well would be interesting. But yeah, Harry? It's funny because it actually bounces straight off that. Rado Vidicic was pretty optimistic about them keeping a lot of those players together. Holly McNamara, for example, was on a two-year deal. There's a few players there on on two-year deals and um, the sounds of things is there's a lot of negotiating in terms of getting some of those players, some some of those young guns that were on one-year deals to to sign on again. Obviously, there's the anticipation that the season will will extend out, so there'll be more games for these players. Um, they they sounded pretty confident about keeping this young group together and really building something. You can you can tell Rado as a coach has really enjoyed doing that with this group. It's a very different vibe to say, you know, two three years ago we had all the Matildas and it was star studded and you you know just let them <laughs> let them at everyone and off they go i think they've really enjoyed um the players have enjoyed the system they've been under i think rado as a coach has really enjoyed working with these young players and they do feel quite confident they can build something um it, i think melissa barbieri is going to be there as long as she wants to but i think the hope will be that sally james signs on again and can establish herself as number one keeper which was the plan this year before she had um an injury and also copped it pretty bad with covid from what i understand so that Bubs will still be around as a leader. I imagine Vlanich will probably be around as a leader again. But otherwise, they're really hoping to build this, this group of young players. And the other thing that was interesting was um, you will have some that will look to test themselves overseas. But I think the the message has been very much, you know, a, a cautionary one. Look at some other players and make sure that you're making the right decision in terms of somewhere you're going to play somewhere that's got good facilities and somewhere that's going to be a good fit for you because you don't want to just go away and sit on the bench all year. Like that's not going to be necessarily of any value. So I imagine we'll see some of them stick around in state leagues. Some may go and and test themselves briefly overseas. And then the other thing that's going to be a factor that we'll all have to consider for next season is with borders opening up and, you know, more freedom of movement, we'll probably see more imports come into the league again. We'll, we'll see, uh, you know, not non-Kiwis, I guess, is probably a good way of putting it. I imagine we'll start seeing some Americans and the like again. But for me, it was a really positive thing that the city are looking to do that again. I wouldn't be surprised if we see both Melbourne teams try and pinch a couple of those Victorian youngsters that have done well at um at Perth because, you know, that's that's how this league works. Like Brisbane Raw used to do the same. You'd see Katrina Gorey and 
Laura Alloway, now Brock, come down to Melbourne Victory because they couldn't get games at Brisbane. And then when, you know, they, they get a few games under their belt, off they go. Um, the other thing that's going to be interesting is how both teams deal with the planned, at least, inclusion of Western United, who will be trying to pinch some players here and there. And that's that's another test of, I guess, the strength of the group you're building and um, the togetherness. Because as you guys said in your in your chat with Minnie last week, you got, I think it's a bunch of them across two houses and they're thick as thieves and they get on and they're having a great time. And you can tell it reflects in the way they play on the field and the care they have for each other and, and the fun they clearly have. Um, so I thought it's a really promising thing because we've seen so often where you get these sort of transient teams of um, players that sort of are here for one season and then off they go and then, you know, players move around. It's, I think it's a really positive thing for the league if you see some of these young players come through together. And there's still players like Letitia McKenna who had COVID and had injuries, who they rate really highly, who will be looking to to go to another level again. They obviously won't get McNamara and back until you'd think relatively late next season. So there's more players who can come through another preseason into, you know, <laughs> skinny little young players like Carrich that, you know, look like they can get blown over by a, a stiff breeze at the moment. There's there's a lot of room for, for growth and development. And, you know, they were so, I think what they can take out of it is they were so close to making it to a grand final on their own that they don't need to upset the apple cart and change everything. They were close enough as it is to, the Premier's play and also to to qualifying straight through to the grand final that it's tweaks rather than wholesale change. It's just keeping keeping that group together. Speaking of all of that, I'm glad that you mentioned Western United there, Harry, because another curiosity of mine is Wellington Phoenix. And two players that we haven't really talked about when it comes to Melbourne City has been Rebecca Stott. And Hannah Wilkinson and really how absolutely pivotal the two of them have been for this city team. I mean, we sort of touched on Wilkinson and the five goals in the in the, the game and against victory and, and all that. But, you know, those two players, not just in terms of their quality as senior internationals, but also their leadership in the fact that they they really were the glue that held so many of these peripheral players together. I'm going to be, I know that Stoddy's been at Melbourne City for a long time, but I'm going to be really curious to see what Wellington Phoenix do next season, which is the last season before the Women's World Cup. Are they going to throw as much money as possible at your Wilkinsons, at your Stoddies, at your other Kiwis who are currently playing for other clubs to bring in those key senior Kiwi players back to Wellington Phoenix, who you would imagine are going to be playing home games to start to really drum up some hype for the home World Cup games that they'll be hosting, uh, in which case City are, so, are going to need to plan for that potentiality, unless they've already locked them in, which they, I would argue they probably should. And we've already seen a couple of clubs already announcing extended deals. Adelaide United, mm. for example, have been really proactive in this space, even within, I think, 30 minutes ago from recording. They've already announced two-year deals for Ella Tonkin and, uh, and Sasaki as well, uh, on top of the uh, the extended deal for Fiona Wirtz. So this off-season is going to be really interesting in terms of all of that, that sort of larger um, machination of the World Cup and what how that's going to affect the way that different clubs go about these kinds of things. Um, but if yeah, um, like I I really really hope that City lean into the young players that they've got because the who they really who they do have is is cream of the crop really. They're like young Matildas level of players. I think Winona Heatley has been astonishing this season for City. 
uh, so as Leah Davidson, she's flown so under the radar, but she has been an absolute machine in that midfield alongside Rebecca Stott. And another player is Caitlin Torpy. She really stepped up in the absence of Holly McNamara. She did so much work. Uh, so those three players, in addition to McKenna and hopefully Holly Mack, if she comes back, Tori Chimeth as well. She's sort of starting to, I think, find another level to her game that maybe she didn't even really expect. And Sally James, of course, as well. Like you've got a good group of players there. So I'm going to be curious, as you say, Harry Border's opening, are Americans going to flock here or are clubs like City going to be like, actually, no, we're going to be really selective about the kinds of senior players we bring into this space because what we're wanting to do is build around youth and build around Australian players and to try to really fold into this larger identity that the league has now, which is that this is meant to be the breeding ground for the next generation of Matildas. And we've sort of seen over the past couple of seasons that bringing in a whole bunch of fantastic imports is antithetical to that. And it's part of the larger problem. It's one of the symptoms of the sort of development issues that we've been having in the game, not just in women's, but in men's as well. So we sort of have an opportunity in some ways to avoid some of the problems that the A-League men's and the Socceroos have, are currently got sort of experiencing um, by swerving, you know, a lot of that dependence on big names from overseas. I really hope that that doesn't happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like in terms of City, because this is sort of the last episode, I guess we're going to be talking about them until we do our season review, I, I can't really fathom the story of Rebecca Stott you know, like how she's like, what an extraordinary human being outside of just being one of the best footballers in the league, how she has come back from remission from cancer has built her fitness to the point where she's able to compete back-to-back games at this level for this kind of club with this kind of intensity of play and to, to have the role that she has off the field as well. I like, I just, there's no sort of point to this. I just want to say she is the best person and we are so lucky that we have someone like that in this league. And we need to make sure that we really appreciate that because like there was a, a gift going around a couple of days ago of Kim Little playing for Arsenal. And I was like, remember when we had Kim Little, mm. remember? And how we didn't capitalize on that. We didn't like, we had these superstars in our league and we just, we just ignored them. Like Rebecca Stott is that level of superstar to me. And she, she represents so much on and off the field. And I, I, I just need to make sure that we just cover in cotton wool and constantly celebrate how actually amazing she is. And congratulations to Rebecca Stott, who actually played her 100th, 100th A-League, game. Women, A-League women appearance. Um, on, the, on the weekend, it was nice. They did the presentation pre-game, which is good because you never want to have to do that presentation potentially after a loss. But, yeah, well said, Sam. And... Um, also just a fantastic player. Like uh, I think it's five championships and a bunch of premierships across her career. Played at Brisbane, played at Victory, obviously best known at City. Um, I, yeah, I think you could, yeah, I think you get pretty unbackable odds that she, if she is in the A-League women again, it'll be at, at Melbourne City. Melbourne's very much home for Stoddy, so uh, good luck, Nicks. But uh, I don't think she'll be going anywhere. So, um, yeah, continue on a fantastic career. Victorian listeners, you can watch Stoddy for Bulleen in the MPLW. Mm. I would highly recommend going down to the Veneto Club and getting to Only watch if they open the canteen. Sorry. I'm still petty about that. <laughs> Was this from the Nike Cup game? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they didn't have the canteen open. I really like Bulleen. But, yes, very ex- excited to see that if they open the canteen. Yes, I think it's a hearty we love Stoddy for 
absolutely everything. So let's quickly move along. Tips for the grand final. I feel like for at least Angela and Sam, these might be redundant questions, but I'm going to ask anyway. You just need to say the team. You don't have to offer any justification, but who is your tip for the grand final, Samantha? (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Samantha. Anna. (laughs) Didn't say anything. She doesn't need to. She knows. Is it Sydney? You'll know. Of course it's... You'll know. Come on, Harrow. Sam's an eternal optimist or pessimist. It's good to know sometimes. I want to hear it on the record. She's enough, <laughs> first and foremost, right? It's enough, <laughs> first, woman, second. Um, yeah. Anna? I think Sydney, but not with very much confidence. <laughs> like, I genuinely think this is a complete line ball. Yes. Uh, I, it's going to be like a 2-1. <laughs> it's going to be heartbreaking for someone. Like... Chaos is my prediction. Chaos is always a safe prediction. Angela, your tip? Sydney. Mm-hmm. I think a, just a head says Sydney, heart says victory kind of sitch. Yes, I mean, <laughs> naturally. Like, but I think, I don't, I feel like some of the defending on the weekend, Sydney will exploit that more than City. Um, there was a couple of times where victory's defence just passed the ball to, to City and I just think Sydney won't. They're not here to fuck spiders. They will use that more efficiently. My my head says Sydney, but also my head, but the more chaotic side of it says victory have the, actually have the ability and the weapons to, to exploit Sydney. But I think Sydney are a far more solid team than they were in last year's grand final. I think they've got a lot more confidence. I think the key players are a lot more reliable. Um, and I think they have the cavalry off the bench to cause summer of Cote Rojas um, to a lesser extent. Paige Satchel, I think they've just got so much quality. Um, that said, I don't think Mackenzie Hawksby will be able to dictate the game because Amy Jackson is a very stern presence there. So I think it's going to be actually fascinating. Like, And it's the perfect game because we have the, the two all. There's only one, you know, solid example of evidence from what we've seen this season so far. And... That was chaos. So, like, that's the only precedent we've got. So, sorry, I'm imagining so you in your head, and then you wearing a dark hood. That's the chaos version of you. I love the Kermit meme. So, that was a fun little visual. We'll turn that into a meme eventually. Anyway, I think yeah, we can all. That one's just going, but victory. They've done it before. <laughs> They've done uh, it twice in two finals. Olympic doing it again. Electric boogaloo. Vic- yeah, the interesting thing though, right, is uh, Jeff Hopkins did say they had to, the message to those to the victory players before they played City was they had to go to another level, and then they're going to have to go to another level again to play Sydney. So like that's expect them to come out breathing fire, and that that's really interesting. Is can they take it to the next level, and how how are Sydney going to go after these these couple of weeks or this extra bit of time off? That's what. I guess that's what intrigues me. Um, it's something that, yeah, teams haven't had to deal with before that Sydney are experiencing at this level is having the week off before a grand final. And as Sam mentioned, it's it could go either way. They could come out, you know, fresh as anything and just run victory off the park and score lots of goals. I'm thinking it's going to be a cagey affair with lots of nerves and 
excitement. But that, that Sydney forward group has just got so much quality um, and it'll be a very big ask for Vic- if victory. If victory back it up again, it's going to be one of the great championship runs that this competition's ever seen um, from the verge of missing out, from the verge of missing out on finals to beating the teams above them, you know, third, second, then first. It would be one of the greatest um, A-League women's stories that you see. Um, but if Sydney FC do it, it would be a, a pretty deserved um, way to cap off a season where they, they clearly underlined that they were the best team in the league. So the narratives are good. There's the good narratives. narratives are good Geno's have got some fun ahead of them. I think he can he can paint a great picture regardless. So the and as we see, love the narratives, but no, it's gonna be fantastic. 405 on Sunday afternoon, Australian Eastern Daylight Time down at Cogra should be fantastic. Would encourage everyone to get down or tune in wherever you watch your sports. Well, no, not really. It's on Channel 10, um, 10 Bolt, but it doesn't matter. Anyway, it's going to be a great game. We absolutely cannot wait. You also, I think now's a good time to plug it. We have a chat with the Sydney player that will be coming out shortly after this as a beautiful little preview. So keep your ears peeled for that one. But let's finish this up with some how good. So Angela, do you want to kick us off with the how good? I sure do. Uh Bring in my community football nuffery to the table. My how good this week is the Afghan women's national team are going to be playing in the Football Victoria State Leagues this year, which is so exciting. Um, I don't know if I'm actually... Nah, it's fine. It's fine. They've released a provisional league structure, so um, it looks like they will be playing in State League 4 in the West Division, which is very exciting. I believe home grounds and, like, permanent coaching staff, that's all still being sorted out, but it's... Um, such a great thing that this group of women are going to be able to continue to play together. Um, Joey Lynch wrote a piece for ESPN about um, how Victory are organising this and working with the group. And um, one of the interesting things is there's sort of like a need to cater to a variety of different playing levels. But I think it's, I, I believe at some stage there was plans to potentially like filter off the different players to different teams that would match those levels but I think that this is a much better outcome and yeah after everything that has happened in this past year to be able to play you know a season and enjoy it and have the support of a club like Victory I think that's just fantastic and I also think it will bring a lot of attention and eyes to like the the game in Victoria um, to grassroots so that will be really exciting as well imagine yeah being in that competition and playing against the Afghan women's national team that would be such a buzz like just look I'd probably just be like just do whatever you want I'm just so excited to be here I'm gonna piss myself anyway I'm not playing in state league four but good on them how good and how good to um victory for getting around it and um for making it happen as well so yeah genuinely can't wait to watch them play really really looking forward to that Sam how good from you? Yeah, so we've been talking a lot this episode about how the A-League Women's is the greenhouse for future Matildas. And a lot of these young players for the past couple of seasons haven't really had anywhere to go. If they haven't cracked the senior team, the youth programs have been largely silent as a result of COVID. But earlier this week, or maybe it was late last week, it was announced that the young Matildas, our under-20s team, 
has qualified for the under-20s Women's World Cup because North Korea have pulled out. And Australia, a a thousand years ago, when they went through this qualification process, were the next best team. So they have taken, yeah. Did anybody say? Default. (laughs) (laughs) Do Swedish words English language, Sam. So they, but like now these fabulous players, this crop of players who we've been watching in the A-League Women's for the past two or three seasons, they now have somewhere to go. They're going to be in camp selected for this under 20s young Matilda side heading to Costa Rica for the Women's World Cup in August of this year. They're going to be playing against the best youth national team programs in the whole world. And this is the platform for so many of these young players to be noticed by clubs everywhere in the world. It's going to be so fabulous. It's going to be such a great reward for so many of the young players we've been talking about all season who have really put up their hand for the selection for this team. And what I love is that Leah Blaney, who is the under 20, the young Matilda's head coach. She was part of the last team to qualify for an under 20s Women's World Cup back in 2006. She was a player then, and now she's the head coach of that same team. It's a really lovely story. It's full circle for her. It's going to be a really great opportunity for these players. I am so excited. How good. Can we go? I was just like, Costa Rica away days. Let's go. Damn yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's go. Oh boy. Harrow. How good from you? Almost follows on from what Sam's saying, but it's always great to see players take the next step in their careers. And on that note, it's exciting to see Kyra Cooney-Cross and Courtney Nevin both sign with Hammerby in Sweden, who have a a rich history in terms of, well, Australians playing there, at least Callan Knight um, has been signed there for a while, um, but has previously played there. A lot of top players have, have gone through there. Sweden seems to be just a really good step for our players to to learn how to go to the next level. They, uh, these two, Cooney Cross and Nevin, were among among that group of players who got the experience of going and, and training in Denmark between international windows last year. And it seems like it is the right time for Cooney Cross in particular to take that next step, to experience playing um, in a longer season overseas, um, that first experience in Europe. And hopefully we see both um both Cooney Cross and, and Nevin kick on and get on to, to bigger and better things because, yeah, that's that's what we want to see our players doing. We want to see them going and trying to take the world by storm. So, yeah, more of our players going and signing in Europe and hopefully making a splash over there. How good? Very good. Can't wait to watch them. But thank you so much for tuning in. We will obviously be having a chat about the grand final once it's done. So make sure you come back next week to listen to that. As I said, we'll have a chat with a Sydney player out shortly as well. So plenty of stuff for you to listen to ahead of and after the grand final. But as always, you can find us on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google, everywhere you get your podcasts. Please feel free to leave a review or subscribe wherever you do listen. If you want to chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see us.